If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to join me, Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. If you want to get that, then get ready to go to Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read from two portions of Scripture here tonight. Amen. The first, again, Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. <laughs> Verse 9, and it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation, kind of like what we just sang. And then if you will flip over to Zephaniah, amen, chapter 3, and I'm also going to read verses 8 and 9 there. Zephaniah 3, verse 8, Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour Upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the pe people a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Thank you, Jesus. That, by the way, that means one accord. Praise God. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach and teach a little bit on this subject called to wait, part two. <laughs> Amen. Father, let the living word preach the written word. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this in the majestic, in the marvelous, uh, and the magnificent name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe it, would you say amen? amen. Praise God, praise God. In these two prophetic books that God has revealed to me and I've chosen for my text, we see explicit prophecies regarding the second coming of Jesus Christ. Both Isaiah and Zephaniah are speaking of the end times when Jesus Christ shall redeem the righteous while simultaneously pouring out His wrath on the wicked. For those who are born again this day, Amen. Those who have endured for the end, uh, to the end, this day will be a glorious day in which death will be swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. A day in which all tears will be wiped from our eyes. Amen. It will be a day in which the insults, the mockery, and the persecution that the church has suffered will be removed forever. It will be a day in which the fullness of God's salvation, i.e. glorification, will be complete as we are changed in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye. But it will also be a day where God will rise up to the prey. 
for his determination is to gather the nations. This is a direct prophecy of Armageddon. And for those who have rejected Christ, it will be a day of destruction and damnation. For God will assemble the kingdoms of the earth together so that He can pour out upon them His indignation, even all His fierce anger. And isn't it interesting that Zephaniah, his prophecy includes God's people being given a pure language in which to worship Him and serve Him in one accord. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it interesting that when man got things messed up, God separated the languages in Genesis 11 at Babylon, but when God sets things in order, He's going to bring us back to one language. So is it any wonder then that when one receives the gift of the Holy Spirit, they speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them it? Oh, hallelujah. That's just a foretaste of what's going to happen when He assembles us and gives us that pure language. Praise God. Now, neither Isaiah nor Zephaniah would see Jesus Christ in His first coming much less be alive and waiting for his second coming. I haven't met Isaiah or Zephaniah in person around Omaha or anywhere else I've traveled. And if you have, let me know. I don't think they're alive. In other words, they didn't see the first coming of Jesus and they prophesied about that. And they didn't see the second coming of Jesus because it hadn't happened yet. And they prophesied about that. And yet what they prophesy speaks to the church today to wait upon the Lord until he comes. And this waiting does include time. I don't know how much longer. It might be five years, might be 55 years. I don't know. No man knows the day nor the hour. So it involves time. I believe this is why Peter might have encouraged us that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So in other words, since Calvary, in Jesus' mind, it's only been two days. We don't understand that kind of concept when it comes to time. We're bound to time. Most all of you were here, I believe all of you in fact were here before church started at 7 o'clock. It's now 7.19 according to the clock in the back. That means for the last 19 minutes, we've expired those that time. We can't go back and get it. We can't go back and redo it. It's over. But with God, He's timeless. So waiting for Him does involve time. And what we have to do is not be weary in well-doing when it doesn't come in our timing. Oh. Hallelujah. But waiting on God and waiting upon the Lord also involves serving. Mm-mm-mm. Anybody ever been to um, Chick-fil-A? Anybody by a show of hands? Chick-fil-A? No. Matt said, oh, I was going to say, wait a minute. Not I'm taking you after church. <laughs> no. All right. What's, what's the common phrase? My pleasure. Right? Anybody seen that meme or, or that video where the guy's chasing the car and he finally catches up to it and, and the lady says, can I help you? He goes, I forgot to say, my pleasure. Right? Okay. Right? 
sometimes you, can, you know, walk in and, can I get some fries? My pleasure. And can I get a coconut? My pleasure. It's like, okay, enough with the my pleasures. I know, you know, right? Okay, well, but, but it's great customer service, right? I don't know if, um, if a Starbucks is trying to come up with their own, but I've been, every time I've been going lately, it's my friend. I'm like, okay, All right, maybe they're trying to get on on the, you know, hey, my friend. I'm like, well, I don't know you, but okay, sure, we're friends. Yeah, just give me my coffee. Uh, well, the, the, the point I'm, I'm making with that is we, we, we can understand how, how time works, but we can understand how serving works. And, and those concepts are about trying to serve the community that, they, that comes to them, their guests, their, their, their customers, etc., and make them happy, right? And, and I, it, I'm thankful for it because how many of you ever received bad customer service? Right. You probably don't like that, do you? You know, you probably don't go back to that place anymore because it was bad. But but you'll go to a place where they treat you right. Right. So waiting upon the Lord is like that. It's serving him. It's it's telling God my pleasure. Does That make sense. All right. Joseph of Arimathea, he was the one who allowed Jesus to borrow his tomb to be buried in. Bible tells us he was honorable. He was a part of the council, probably the Sanhedrin most likely. And in both Mark and Luke, we are told that he waited for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So just as he waited, both in time and in serving for the kingdom of God, so are we to now wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ, operating in the fullness of his kingdom now, because the kingdom of God is already here, but also looking forward to that eternal aspect of the kingdom that is yet to come. And so it's both our time of serving the Lord, it's our time of waiting on Him, it's our time of year after year, day after day, etc., but it's also serving Him and saying, my pleasure, God, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to obey you. I'm I'm happy to live for you. I'm, I'm happy to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow you. My pleasure. Amen? I mentioned it a minute ago, but the verse that reveals to us that the kingdom is a present reality is in Luke 17, 20 and 21. It says the kingdom of God does not come with observation, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Praise God. So we do wait for the eternal kingdom of God to come, yes. And while we do, what do we do? You see, we're called to wait. And that has to mean more than just going through the motions, right? Right, it does. It does mean more than that. It does involve our calendars and our clocks. But it's also about serving Him. Evildoers are waxing worse and sin is abounding. Governments are becoming more corrupt and will eventually capitulate into a one world kingdom of the Antichrist. But our hope and our comfort has never been in or of this world. Jesus told us, amen, that we will have tribulation in this world. But in the same verse, in the same breath, He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You're going to have peace in Jesus. This world you'll have chaos, but in Jesus you'll have peace. Hallelujah. God anointed John to write and tell us that we are overcomers because greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Hallelujah. God is with us and His Spirit 
fills us. Therefore, we should not fear what is coming upon the world. Instead, we should do what Jesus said to do. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Amen. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. We should do what Jesus said to do, and that is go and make disciples of all nations until we can't breathe anymore or until He's come, whichever happens first. Amen. Let me say it this way. God employs His church for evangelism, not activism. God equips His church to revival, not survival. Mm. And God empowers His church with faith, not fear. Oh, hallelujah. So who will join me in serving the Lord while we eagerly await His second coming? Hebrews 9, 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Is anybody waiting for Jesus to come? In your waiting, keep understanding that the calendar and the clock is going to keep ticking. But in your waiting, please keep serving. Please keep working. Please keep doing what God has called us to do. So I want to discover tonight, just a little bit of time here with you, amen, what it means to be called to wait. The first point I want to make is it's putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13, 10 through 14, if you're taking notes or following along or opening up your Bible, Romans 13, 10 through 14 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of, his, of the law. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The first thing you need to do is be born again if you're not already. If you've repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit came, praise God. But if you haven't, do that. Get, get, filled, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get baptized. Amen. The water's ready tonight if you need to be. Want to be. Hallelujah. But if you have been born again, then put Jesus on and never take Him off. Hallelujah. Here's what it looks like. It looks like loving others. Who's my neighbor? Everybody. Mm. It's easy to love those that love you. It's not so easy to love those that don't love you. It's not so easy to love those who gossip about you. It's not so easy to love those that hate you or persecute you. But the Bible didn't say, love them if they love you back. Love them if they go to the same church. Love them if they vote for the same candidate. 
Well, love others. Oh, hallelujah. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown tongues and special knowledge will end, but love will last forever. By the way, I was reading 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 from the New Living. Now, I'm going to reread it this time, but I'm going to put my name, and when I put my name, I want you to put your name, okay? Right? You ready? Myron is patient and kind. Uh Uh-oh. I might need to go repent real quick, Alicia. (laughs) Let's see. Myron is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I could say pretty much most of those. Sometimes I can be rude, but, you know, okay. Uh, Myron does not demand his own way. Oh, boys. Myron is not irritable. Oh, Lord. Myron keeps no record of being wrong. I, I... Shannon, I, I do that one really well. Okay, so I don't, you know, I, I'm good on that one. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I, I, I'm about 50% right now. Yikes. Okay, uh, Myron does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Yeah, I got that one, so I'm now starting to go up again. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Myron never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. Uh, would you agree that? Okay, that's, that's whew, man, I'm starting to. Starting to win here. I'm 70% now. Thank you, Jesus. You understand what this is saying? You say, well, why'd you put your name there? I'm not adding to or taking away from the Bible. But if God is love, and he is, and I'm filled with all the fullness of God, that means I am love. Well, might need to preach part three of called to wait. Love is the fulfilling of the law. I'm telling you what we need to be doing while we're waiting. Love people. I'll never forget the time that this gentleman come to church, and you could tell and smell that something wasn't right. I'm not being crude. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just being honest. And... This was a time in my life when not a hair was out of place, you know, and all of that. And, and the bishop said to me, he says, don't you go pray for him. I'm like, me? Okay. All right. And, and so I kind of did one of these numbers. Like if, if, if this is his head, I'm kind of like, Jesus, I'll go ahead and touch him, Lord. And I look up and my bishop's going, no, no, pray for him. Pray for him. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I start praying. Well, he gets the Holy Ghost. And then he hugs me. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Well, let me tell you, God dealt with my pride that night big time. We're to love everybody. No matter what they look like. No matter where they come from. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can find me the loophole that says you cannot love somebody, then bring it up, and we'll preach on that next week. But you'll be looking for a long time. 
Uh, part of being called to wait means awakening out of sleep and slumber and laboring in the harvest fields that are wide already to harvest. Please, please, please do not pray for a harvest. If you're praying for a harvest, stop because the harvest is plenteous enough. Pray for laborers to rise up. Pray what Jesus said to pray for, that laborers would rise up and go in to the harvest fields. We're called to be disciple makers, to go and make disciples of all nations. I fear that what, we've, what we have uh, uh, concluded is that since we have missionaries going to all nations, that we can just pay for them to go and pray for them as they go, and we don't have to witness to our neighbor, but the world has come to our neighborhoods. It's time to be called to go and make disciples of all nations. So awake out of sleep and slumber. Amen. It's once and for all casting off the deeds of darkness and forever putting on God's armor of light. Let me tell you, this world doesn't need another speech about how dark it is. Can I even be even further honest? We don't need another message to tell us how evil this world is. We need some people who are the light of the world to stand up and shine for Jesus. Stop complaining about the darkness and shine the light of God's love. Darkness is not co-equal with light. It is not the opposite of light. It is the absence of light. And the Bible tells us very plainly in John 1, 5, I'm reading the New Living, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Can I tell you, all we need is a praying mama and a praying daddy. All we need is somebody to shine the light and the darkness will begin to dissipate. I'm talking about what we do while we're called to wait. It's not just looking at our clocks and hoping it comes in our lifetime. It's saying, God, who can I pray for? Who can I reach out to? What door can I knock on? What co-worker can I tell about you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And according to what we read here in putting on the Lord Jesus from Romans, it's walking honestly so that we never fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The pride of life or the lust of the eyes. Hallelujah. In other words, it's being a born again ambassador of Jesus every day, not just Sundays and Wednesdays. Hallelujah. And by the way, while you wait, let me remind you what Galatians 6, 9 says. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season. We shall reap. If we're affiliated with the UPC. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me double check. Okay. Um, Galatians 6, verse 9. Um, oh, yeah. Here it is. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we give enough money. Hmm. Giving money is good. 
Being affiliated is good. I'm not trying to dog on those things. But let me tell you, it doesn't say those. It doesn't say anything else. It says, if we just don't faint, if we just don't stop. In other words, I might be tired. I might be weary. COVID might have hit me a little hard this time. All those other things and factors might be true. But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. In 1998 and 99, my wife and I went to, or I went in one year, and then she went with me the other year to, because of the times, I don't remember which one it was, but one of those, I believe Sister Vestamanga was 75 years old, and she's up doing her message that she preaches at Because of Times every year, and she says, she said, I'm 75 now, and people are telling me to retire, and she goes, retire? What are you, nuts? There's people to be reached. She's now, I think, uh, next week going to be 96. She preached almost the same thing and said, I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. I'm going to reach people until I die. Amen. That's the mindset of what I'm talking about here, that we've got to keep going until he comes. Don't give up. If you've planted and watered, let him give the increase. Keep planting. Keep watering. If you prayed and it hasn't happened, keep praying. If, you, if you're hoping and it hasn't happened, keep hoping. Hallelujah. If you've read the Gospels and you read some of the accounts of why Peter and John and James and, and, and uh, John and all this would, would leave, Peter and Andrew and, P and James and John would leave their fishing boats so quickly and follow Jesus. And while Matthew would leave uh, his money changing uh, table and all that, his booth, whatever, and, and follow Jesus so quickly. And, and why men like uh, Philip were so overwhelmed and Nathaniel, you know, when he saw him, you know, you're the king of Israel. You want to know why? It's because they had waited so long for the Messiah. Rabbi after rabbi had preached it and taught it and, and preached after priest had declared it and they had been to Torah school and learned it from the scriptures and they believed it and they hoped for it and every time uh, there was a preacher in the wilderness that would begin preaching and every time there was something that would begin to happen they would say could this be the one is this the Messiah and when he finally came their waiting uh, was fulfilled can I tell you uh, we're not just looking around for any Christ uh, we're not just being fooled by signs and wonders because they follow us but I've got my eyes on the sky and my hands on the plow and I'm going to work until he comes hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus the second thing we do while we're called to wait is practice what grace teaches Titus 2.11 for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, all iniquity, amen, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So while we're waiting on the Lord, let's practice what grace teaches. An unteachable person is an unreachable person. So practice what grace teaches. And what does grace teach us? To deny 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, to deny these things. And the reason that that is so vital is that those who do not deny the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life will be consumed by the fiery wrath of God's judgment because the world will pass away and all the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, the Bible says, abideth forever. The world tells us to love yourself, know yourself, and be yourself. But Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Amen. Hallelujah. Grace teaches us to live wholeheartedly sold out to God. What does this mean? It means we're wholeheartedly sold out to, to the one God. Apostolic, new birth. Jesus is coming soon. Message. We're loving Him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And like Mark says, that's the first and great commandment. But the second is like to it and just as important. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus, after He said both of those in Mark, He said, for there is none other commandment greater than these. Wow. Sold out to God. Can I, can I remind this church plainly and clearly in person and online? I'm not for sale. Pastor Jeremy, I've lived too long in this. I've preached too long. I've labored too long. I've prayed too long. I've believed and hoped too long. Pastor Lucas, I ain't for sale. I don't want to sound arrogant, rude, or inconsiderate. But if I'm the last man standing, so be it. I'm going to preach, keep preaching Jesus. I'm going to keep preaching the Word of God. I'm going to keep believing it because I know it's true and cannot lie. I've had people try to buy me. Not for sale. Amen. Again, I don't say that to act arrogant or cocky or anything else other than to let you know I ain't selling out. I'm already sold out to God. Hallelujah. Because the treasure that He gives over there in eternity where moth and rust don't corrupt is a whole lot more valuable to me than anything you can find in this world that vacillates and, and jumps up and down and one day is good and the next day is not and then, then inflation is going to do this and then you know the market's going to crash over here and dear God in heaven in Jesus' name. I'm glad none of that affects God. I'm glad we don't have a federal reserve in heaven. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. I want to lay up treasure over there. Praise God. Grace teaches us that while we're waiting to look or eagerly expect the blessed hope of His second coming. Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 10.12, is the one sacrificed for sins forever. And according to 9.28, came once to deal with sin on Calvary. And He's also coming once more to bring eternal salvation to those who eagerly wait for Him. The Bible reveals there will be a falling away and a revealing of the Antichrist that will precede His second coming. And the Bible also reveals that cataclysmic chaos will erupt in the heavens and on earth, amen, before He returns. But I'm not looking for those things. I'm eagerly waiting and expecting the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to take as many with me as I can. I want to have told as many as I can about Jesus 
because Pastor Jeremy, like our favorite verse on the end times, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits and instruct many in the way. And in the chapter 12 of Daniel says many are going to be made white and purified. I'm going to reach for every last one as long as I can. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grace teaches us that we're redeemed from all iniquity and called to do good works. We know from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that we're not saved by works. We're not saved. It's, it's, it's by uh, uh, grace through faith and not of ourselves that we should boast, the Bible says. But rather it's a gift from God. But the very next verse, verse 10, teaches us that we're called as His workmanship to do good works. Hallelujah. So who will answer the call and wait and practice what grace teaches? Number three is persevere in God's calling. I want to read to you 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. And I might interject, God can't lie. They, these are the promises that enable you to share in His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if tonight in this bottle of Propel I have scientifically created a concoction that if you drink this you will be healed of any and every disease known to man. And let's just assume in my pretend world that it's true. It's not fake. It's not a joke. And unlike big pharma, I'm not out to make money off of it. I just, I just want to help people. Okay? I mean, wouldn't you want to have a drink? 
I mean, come on. Mm. I got a bunch more of these in my fridge. Right? If you knew absolutely fundamentally that, that there's a verse in the Bible that says, Myron is going to create an elixir that will cure everything. And we have a book, chapter, verse for it, and I'm the Myron that he's talking about, and I've created it. Wouldn't you want it? Okay. Well, if you can understand my little pretend game for just a moment there. I just read to you an absolute guarantee to make sure you never fall away and receive an entrance into the eternal kingdom of God. That's what it says. Whether you're reading from the King James or the New Living or the New King James or any other translation, that's what it says. So may I ask a very kind of dumb question? Why wouldn't you be doing that? Okay, I'm going to look this way this time. Why wouldn't you be doing that? Okay, there we go. All right. So who will answer God's call to persevere, giving all diligence to connect with him, grow in faith, serve others, and lead by example, as we just read here in 2 Peter? Who will realize that no one is perfect and if you fall or sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and that a just man falls, but he keeps getting back up again? Who will commit to do everything you can to endure to the end so that you hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant? I know I will. I know if I trip and fall, I'm going to get back up again. I'm not going to stay down. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ gave his life as a ransom for all. He conquered sin once and for all time, once and for all sin, and once and for all peoples. Salvation is available to anyone who will repent and be born again. And God's salvation is marvelous. And without it, we have no hope of entering or even seeing the kingdom of God as we read in John 3 and John 3, 3 and 3, 5. Everyone, I believe, will have a chance to hear the gospel because Psalm 98.3 says all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And Matthew 24.14 says, And this gospel the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I believe everyone will ha have a chance to have heard it and respond to it. And so what a marvelous salvation we have. And those who receive it, those who partake of it have both a reason and a right to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. For when Jesus Christ returns, what a great day of rejoicing that's going to be. Not only will we hear the last trumpet sound and be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, but, huh, hallelujah, the trumpets are, that, that we hear and that's or the trumpet that we hear, rather, and the sound that we hear is going to cause us to rise up to be with Him forever. And I'm confident on that glorious day it's going to be a loud noise. We will be entering eternity with the Lord where no sorrow or sin or shame exists, no sickness or pain or death, no virus, no temptation to sin will, will be there. And the tempter, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, 
will be forever cast into the lake of the fire. And forever, forever, we will be with the one who died so that we could live. In Romans 8, it talks about the whole creation groaning and travailing in pain together for the sons of God. And I believe on that day, that's when it'll be complete. Because the next verse in Romans reveals that born-again believers also are groaning, waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. It's not talking about the first time we're saved. It's talking about the glorification. If you remember real quickly, first time you're saved, justification. While you're, while you're saved and living, sanctification. You're going to be glorified or glorification. And that's what it's talking about. We're waiting for that final paper of adoption to be signed. That, that final moment of redemption where we're glorified. Hallelujah. And so our blessed hope keeps us encouraged in God's love as we go through this life. Like John, our prayer is even so, come Lord Jesus. And like the expectant stewards in Jesus' parable in Luke 12 and 38, we are watching and waiting faithfully. So when Jesus Christ returns, we know He's going to judge the earth with righteousness and with equity. I am so grateful that when he comes, he's not going to consult a panel of judges or have a Supreme Court to overturn his jurisdiction or a jury to deliberate or a lawyer to try to confuse. God's judgment will be final and no attorney will be able to appeal. What a glorious day that's going to be. And everyone will have had the same chance to be saved. So make the right choice and be born again. I'm totally amazed every time I think about it, every time I read it, every time I observe it if I'm watching a, a movie about it, and that is Calvary. What amazes me is from Scripture and of course from what we see in a lot of the movies and so forth is that it depicts those crosses being fairly close to one another. And I believe they had to be because there was conversation going on between Jesus and one of the thieves and between the two thieves together. Conversation with those on the ground. So they, they had to be in close pocket. It wasn't like one crucified here and you know, 25, 30 feet away, the other one and another. You know, they, were, they were all in the same proximity. I, I, I emphasize that to say this. Both thieves railed on Jesus and mocked Him. I forget which gospel it, it tells us that, but another gospel then tells us that one of them had a change of heart because he repented. And he said to Jesus, hey, we're getting what we deserve, but you're innocent. So remember when you come into your uh, uh, kingdom. And what does Jesus say to him? This day you'll be with me in paradise. By the way, if anybody ever asked you how that man was saved on the cross without speaking in tongues or getting baptized or anything like that, it was still the Old Testament, y'all. I know it's in the New Testament, but it's still the Old Testament. And all you needed in the Old Testament to be forgiven, to be quote-unquote saved, was a repentant heart, a sacrificial lamb, and a high priest. Well, let's see. He had a repentant heart. We're one for three. Jesus was the Lamb of God. We're two for three. And Jesus was the high priest who became us. We're three for three. Yeah. 
That's how he was saved. It's real simple. But here's what blows my mind, Brother Matthew. There's a thief within earshot hearing the conversation. Why didn't he say, man, I'm sorry too. Jesus, my friend's right. We're getting what we deserve. He didn't. And that's the experience of the world we know today. There will be some that will repent of their wickedness and find salvation. And there will be some in the same earshot who hear the same message, see the same love, and reject it. I don't understand it. I wish all would be saved. You've heard me say from this pulpit over and again, I don't want anyone to go to hell. I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell because separation from God, yes, there's going to be fire. Yes, there's going to be the worm that dieth not and all that. I get all that. But to me, even more than all of that, pain and torment and suffering is the fact that you will forever and ever and ever and ever be separated from the one who became you so that you could become his righteousness. Oh, God. And so that should compel us to be called to wait, to be called to do everything I've preached here tonight and share this gospel with as many as possible to tell our neighbors, to tell our coworkers, to tell our classmates, to tell everybody. We're not to give the increase. We can't. We can't save anyone. But we can plant and we can water and God can give the increase. So who's willing to be called? Who's willing to wait? As you just heard me preach. Would you stand with me tonight? We haven't done this for a while, but it, it came to me this afternoon. I wonder how many would right now begin to just pray and say, Lord, lay somebody on my heart. If you've already got somebody, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a, a backslider, whatever, go ahead and start praying for them. If not, ask God to send you somebody. And they don't have to be from Omaha. I know we have ways to reach other people that, that maybe live where we used to live or whatever. But can we begin to call some names out to God in prayer? But also pray that God give us the courage to go to them, to talk to them before, amen, the sun sets today. Amen, before, or it's already set, but before we go to bed, before the sun rises tomorrow or after it rises that we can talk to Him soon. Oh God, compel us right now. Compel our hearts right now, God. Oh Lord, burden us with what burdens You. Let us hear as You hear. Speak as You speak. Feel as You feel. You were moved with compassion. Oh God, let us be moved with compassion as we're called to wait. Oh Lord, help me God. Help me to reach more, love more, do more. Help me to answer the call that more might be saved. It is your desire that there be a full house. And for those who reject you, you told the stewards in that parable to go to the highways and byways and compel them to come that my house may be full. You revealed your desire that you want a full house. Oh God, and so do we. 
And so if we've been working on the left hand and nobody's coming, help us to work on the right hand. Oh God, lead us to people that are hungry. Send angels to people in our community, Lord, and show them who to call. Let our phones ring. Let our hearts be burdened. And lead us to people that they might be saved in Jesus' name. Church, I feel led of the Holy Ghost to tell you that a part of this shift, I believe it's going to be more of what we've already started to see as the year was ending and the new year has come in. Children getting the Holy Ghost in the home. Man, well, if you're watching, it's, it's friends like what's coming to your Bible study. Amen. Jeremy, it's like the friend that reached out to you. We're going to start those stories, those accounts are going to start becoming a whole lot more prominent. Oh yeah, we're going to see things here. But God spoke to me the other day when He told me, He said, I've, I've turned my church back into a verb. He told me, hey, it's not just going to be contained to these four walls. I got a feeling some people are going to be baptized in swimming pools this summer. Huh. I got a feeling that, that if somebody has a jacuzzi on their back porch that they use in the winter, we might be hearing of some baptisms there. And by the way, you ready for this? If you believe the scriptures and if you've been born again, you can't get a hold of me or Lucas or Jeremy or Trevor or whatever, baptize them in Jesus' name. Don't worry about how it's just in the name of Jesus I baptize you. Okay, I'd rather you get it done and then call me. And even if we have to redo it, fine, we'll redo it. But, but it's real simple. In the name of Jesus, I baptize you. Just, it's got to be Jesus. I don't care if it's a pool. I don't care if it's a jacuzzi. I don't care if it's a, a frozen river that you break the ice. Baptize them in the name of Jesus. You're hereby commissioned. Okay? Listen, it, it's not going to be contained to these walls. It's not going to be contained to Sundays and Wednesdays. So somebody needs to get ready because it's going to happen in your home and in your apartment. To, uh, it's going to happen to some of your co-workers. Oh, come on. We need to start believing it, declaring it, decreeing it, expecting it while we wait. Hallelujah. I want to be that servant that when my Lord comes, He's found waiting. I, I close with this and I'm done. The mantle fell not on any one of the school of prophets who were watching. It fell on a young man that was working. Elisha. He was plowing with a 12th yoke of oxen. Amen. I want to be working. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's be the church.